One, two, three, four. Screen time, screen time, screen time, screen time. It's my screen time too. And welcome to It's My Screen Time 2, the podcast where two moms review the best and worst in children's programming from Netflix reboots and YouTube shorts to Disney classics and Pixar blockbusters. We watch, you listen, find out what you can tolerate watching for family movie night, what to avoid altogether, and what you'll want to watch alone voluntarily. I'm Deborah, And I'm Katie. And I have three kids, Tony is 11 and Libby and Nate. And I have two kids, Jay is five and Kenny is two. They are extremely adorable, aren't they? They sure are. So as usual, we are going to tell a quick story about how awesome or occasionally awful our kids are, because in addition to being witty and incisive pop culture consumers, we're moms too, and we just like to get that out of the way up front. Deborah, what have your kids been up to this week? My kids have been working on an end of the year project. They each, Libby and Nate, have each been researching an insect. They had to do like a research poster and then they could also do a diorama. And Libby chose to do the extra work and she keeps calling it a diagram. And I keep correcting her and she just keeps calling it a diagram and it's so funny. And it is a really cute project and that was my favorite medium in which to work with when I was in elementary school of course (laughs) so it's been fun watching her put that together dioramas are such a blip in time because I mean you'll put all this effort into making her remember the vocabulary word but as soon as she's out of school she will literally never have to think of it again (laughs) (laughs) like dioramas exist just for let's generously say elementary through middle school projects and that's that's totally that's all (laughs) (laughs) how about your kids jay has picked up this phrase that i think is hilarious slash i hope he's not sharing with the other adults in his life um where something will happen and Either comically or like semi-seriously, he'll say, I'm not sure this is appropriate for me. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) But uh, it'll never be anything like terribly bad. He's mostly just kidding. Like the other day we were listening to uh, Wings of Fire book in the car and they it was like this dramatic fight scene where the dragons were fighting in the arena and there was some mild gore. And he's like, Mom, I'm not sure this is appropriate for me. And I said, okay, do you want me to turn it off? And he's like, no, I just want to let you know. Has he used it at all at the dinner table? Like if you serve broccoli? I would love that. Not yet. (laughs) I might start using that phrase myself. (laughs) Before we got going, I thought we would do a little follow-up from our last episode. I had this weird half memory. So we spent some time talking about the new Netflix Play Something feature that essentially allows Netflix to choose something for you to watch based on its algorithm and the things you've already watched and liked on Netflix. So it makes Netflix more like a regular old television. And something bubbled up from the haze of my memory 
And it was an episode of Sex in the City in which, like, Miranda gets very invested in a television show that she has not chosen to watch, but her TiVo has chosen for her. Now, upstairs, I, downstairs. What I is that? What it was? Really yeah. Okay, because I never had a TiVo, but was this a function? Like, it could, it would see what you were recording and be like, okay, Deborah really likes watching depressing shows about anti-heroes that deal drugs I'm gonna choose more of those I never had a TiVo I I mean we had a DVR I mean I guess we still do but we never got surprise recordings from it that were tailored to our tastes I wonder if it just didn't work all that well except in that episode of Sex in the City so they kind of slowly phased it out or I mean is TiVo even still a thing does the company still exist probably not so many questions but I do vividly remember upstairs downstairs which now thinking back like is Downton Abbey based on that fictional show no and this I do know because upstairs downstairs was act they rebooted it as like a oh so it was a real show yeah it was a real show and they rebooted it as like a pbs short series after the success of downtown abbey they're like oh we should bring upstairs downstairs back because they are pretty much the same i see i see all right so i just had to ask that to make sure like it was a real thing in my brain and not just something i made up i'm glad we established that i'm not fully round the bend quite yet (laughs) I also wanted to share that I did look up the plural of mongoose after our (laughs) discussion about Mira, royal detective. And while there seems to be some argument on the internet as to whether or not mongoose is appropriate, the actual plural of mongoose is actually mongooses. So you're welcome. Sounds wrong. Doesn't it? Yeah. (laughs) All right. Screen time in the news. For this week's Screen Time in the News segment, we read an article called Inside the New Playbook for Creating a Kids TV Hit in the Streaming Age. It's a Fast Company article from March 18th, which I know is a little while ago, but it was just too funny not to talk about. So the subhead of this article is former Nickelodeon president Seema Zargami launched Mimo Studios to create blockbuster franchises like SpongeBob SquarePants and Paw Patrol. So the premise is that the boom the boom in streaming services has not created sufficient blockbusters for kids content. But just that premise seems like such shaky ground to me because aren't there a ton of super popular kids shows coming out on the streaming platforms? I think so. Yeah, I was like, am I just too embedded in children's media that like I see a trend that's not actually there? But but we don't have the numbers that these folks have access to. That's true. Mm-hmm. But speaking of numbers, like aren't we living in the same fractured media environment for children that we're living in for adults? Like should we expect blockbusters to the same degree that we used to have? No, nobody gets as many viewers as they used to this a little bit to to me feels like a quibby idea like a solution in search of a problem right like I wrote down quibby too because (laughs) it just seems like maybe it's too much of a departure from traditional can we call streaming traditional (laughs) is it traditional yet 
anyway, it seemed like maybe not the best concept to make blockbuster television. Yeah, and a person swooping in with like extensive experience with legacy media brands saying, oh, look, I know how to recreate that environment in this new world with like no mm-hmm. real evidence that they actually do know how to do that. <laughs> mm-hmm. That said, we probably will still sample the Pout Pout Fish show when it comes out because both of my kids enjoyed the Pout Pout Fish. Yeah, I do like the idea of a 45 to 60 minute movie for little little ones like toddler preschool because I think sometimes 90 minutes is too long. Right. And that was another thing she was saying about this new service is that they would do these sort of mini movies to get the shows going rather than producing a lot of episodes, which I totally see the wisdom of. You can get more stuff up and running that way. Kids really do like the repeat viewing experience, but it is a little bit of a splash of cold water onto the face of parents because if I'm going to sit down and try to actively engage with media with my kids, I don't want to watch the same 45-minute episode again and again. Yeah, and this seemed like it was a cost-saving measure, but and I don't know how TV and movies work. I don't know how Hollywood works, but doesn't it seem like it might be more expensive to assemble a full crew of people for one 45-minute movie and then wait and then assemble them again if you want to make more content? Unless it's the- more efficient to like do 10 episodes all at once? Unless the idea is we assemble essentially the same crew of people to do one 45 minute on this show and then one 45 minute of this beloved property and then one 45, like they, they use the same crew to do the different projects. Sure. Okay. I just want to mention that it's a female run company, which is cool. Yes. Thumbs up and like maybe it'll work. And maybe it was just the presentation in the article that made it seem so retrograde and weird, but I don't know. Jury's out. I did have to write down one really funny sentence that to me exposed the fact that the author of the article either doesn't have kids or like doesn't have much experience with children's media because (laughs) (laughs) this is the quote. There's a gaping dearth of new buzzy series with any real lasting power. Does Netflix's miraculous tales of Ladybug and Cat Noir really have a significant following? End quote. Well, no, lady, but there are about a bazillion other shows on Netflix that do have significant followings. Like, talk to me about Octonauts. Talk to me about Dino Trucks. Talk to me about the Spirit Horse franchise, which seems to have a million installments. Talk to me about Bluey on Disney+. Plus. There are a ton of examples, and I feel like she just reached for the weirdest sounding title to try and make this point that is actually not valid at all. I worked at a library a long time ago, like went out of business and there was this really inept board of directors and they went through like some of the publications and picked out obscure ones to make the library seem really irrelevant and like it should be shut down. And one of those publications was Western Livestock Journal. And like, they didn't know they weren't in agriculture. Like maybe a lot of people read it. They didn't about stats and I feel like this author did the same exact thing with Miraculous Tales of Ladybug and Cat Noir. She just 
he or she just picked the most obscure mm-hmm. title they could come up with to like try to denigrate children's television and that's not fair not fair at all it kind of makes me want to watch it for one of our upcoming reviews <laughs> I know <laughs> I'm kind of curious good. it doesn't even show up on my like if you watch this you might like that hmm. well I'll watch a Mimo mini movie when they come out yeah let's both watch a Mimo mini movie when they come out mostly because <laughs> I like the alliterative we're gonna watch some Mimo mini movies <laughs> while we're making so merry we... music in the moonlight <laughs> mighty nice (laughs) all right let's go (laughs) should we move on to our main event yes please or i'll just keep making statements that begin with m listeners we are returning to lightning round reviews just like we did in our 100th episode celebration this is a fun way for you to hear about several shows instead of one show in depth and it's a good way for us to clear our watch list of shows and movies that look good and interesting but that we didn't think we had time to give a full episode treatment to so we reviewed donkey hody animals on the loose a you versus wild movie astronauts and saved by the bell the new one so i'll start with my Quick review of Donkey Hody. It's on PBS Kids and it was produced by Fred Rogers Productions. It's really new. It just premiered this month. And it's based on, I guess, Donkey Hody was a character on Mr. Rogers and the puppet world. He existed in that puppet world and he was told to go build his windmill someplace else. It's been decades since I watched Mr. Rogers so I don't have any recollection of this character but now that Don Quixote is Grampy Hody and the new Don Quixote is his granddaughter and the show centers around her it's a puppet show super cute and it's a very simple set there's like four main characters there's Don Quixote herself Duck Duck Bob Dog and a panda And Don Quixote is like the friend that if you're getting together and you have dinner reservations at seven, you always want to tell Donkey that the reservation is at 6.30 so that she gets there by the actual reservation. Okay. (laughs) Because it seems like the plot is like Don Quixote tries to do something, comes into some obstacles, everybody rallies around. And sometimes she's helping other people out. Um, Like this first one that I watched, she was making flapjacks. Didn't turn out. Duck Duck suggests using a recipe. Good solution. Flubs it again. Bob Dog suggests measuring the ingredients. (laughs) (laughs) There's like cute songs. The voice acting is really good. Um, The actor who plays Bob Dog plays Scooter in The Muppets. Okay. So little bit familiar and it's a little Daniel Tiger-esque and that's the idea I think because they talk about their feelings they used vocabulary to name their feelings like I'm feeling frustrated it's not fun to feel frustrated um so I really liked it it's for kids that are younger than my kids but I think if you have toddlers if you have preschoolers this would be enjoyable for everybody to watch together it's really sweet 
Awesome. We'll have to try it out because both of my kids have taken a pretty strict anti-Daniel Tiger stance for whatever reason. So if I can give them some content that teaches similar lessons in a slightly different format, that might go over better. Yeah. And when we were watching Waffles and Mochi, I realized I really love puppet-based shows. Yeah. So I liked this one because it was puppet-based too. I'm telling you, Deborah, I'm going to mention it on every episode. Go back to follow that bird. <laughs> it's really good. I need to watch that. I know I need to watch that. <laughs> okay, so a while back, ages ago, we reviewed an interactive, well, we did a couple of interactive Netflix shows, but it's been a, a long time, so I thought we would try it again, especially since Jay loved the You Versus Wild show. So this is just a slightly longer format of that You Versus Wild show. And again, it's Bear Grylls, the very famous TV adventurer dude, um, coming into manufactured dangerous situations with wild animals. And then it gives you a choice uh, to choose what action he takes to escape the scary situation. Bear Grylls makes like kind of these... Uh, he integrates kind of these teachable moments into the script to varying levels of success. But at a certain point, he turns to the camera and he's like, you know, it really just takes practice to make these split second decisions in the moment. And the key is to remain calm. And the more you practice doing it, the more successful you'll be at making the right decision when it really counts. And I was like, oh, bear. I don't think I'm ever going to get there because I'm consistently <laughs> super stressed by just having to make a decision on the remote, which granted I was watching with my two kids. So you kind of have to take a consensus between the two of them very quickly because it gives you, oh gosh, like it felt like five seconds. It was a very short window in which to choose. And of mm -hmm. course they never want the same thing. You have to try and walk some middle ground and press the selection at the right time. Every time felt like we were flying by the seat of our pants. And I just, I, the more interactive TV and movies get, the less I want them. I think I just want to be removed to, to that degree. Like what, what happens if you don't make a choice in time? Does it, just it just chooses for you. One? Yeah. Okay. Is it like the right one? Does it always choose the right one or? You know, we never really let it get there. Like we always succeeded okay. by the skin of our teeth <laughs> and the sweat of mom's brow. But we did make some wrong choices and get hurt and at one point killed, presumably. But obviously they don't show you that. They just let you go back <laughs> and make the other choice. <laughs> I think this is a really good niche for Bear Grylls as he ages, this like kind of shift into children's content, because, you know, he can't be like the extreme outdoorsman forever. So I kind of like that direction. I guess he already has a series of like children's uh, adventure guide books. So I like this for him. I mean, continue to get your money, Bear. I will probably watch it with my kids again, even though it super stressed me out. But I think the degree of control it gives, particularly Jay, he's very into it. Does Bear encounter any real animals? Yeah, they're real animals. So at okay. one at one point he was being choked by a boa constrictor. Oh he was my chased God, really? by a, he was chased by a lion. <laughs> made it to like his jeep but the doors were locked so he had to like shimmy in through the back window of this truck <laughs> then the lion chased him in to like the bed of the truck bear 
leapt out of the truck, ran around, and closed the lion in the cage. It was pretty impressive. Oh, wow. My kids liked the You versus Wild show, so we are going to have to check out this movie. Yeah, I bet they'd like it. It was... It was fun, but stressful. And But you know what? You can probably just give Tony the remote at this point. You know, they are good about taking turns on who gets to make the decision. So when they were watching it, Tony did run the remote, but like they cycled through. So you could try that with um, your kids and just go every other one. That is a really good idea. All right. Talk to me about Astronauts. Astronauts. I have been wanting to watch this since it came out in November of 2020. It's a scripted series on Nickelodeon. It was promoted pretty heavily, I feel like, last winter fall because they were showing a new episode every Friday and I couldn't talk my family into watching it with me. So kind of let it go. And now it's a little bit hard to watch like I couldn't get it on demand on my cable you have to like go to the Nickelodeon website and log in through your cable service I mean you can buy the episodes too I just didn't want to spend any more money than I already do and there's a teaser episode just on YouTube I think so anyway you can get it but it's not as easy as it was I assume they'll replay it at some point when a second season comes out Anyway, it's about a group of kids who accidentally get launched into space. Of course. And I I wanted to watch it because Space Camp was one of my favorite movies when I was a kid. And I love space movies like Gravity, The Martian. I'll watch anything where just ordinary people are launched into space accidentally. (laughs) Um, So the kids are like kind of an elite little group like one of the kids his dad is this Elon Musk type character who owns the space exploration company um another girl her mother is the lead astronaut who's supposed to take the real mission into space another child his mother is a journalist who's always like trying to expose the Elon Musk guy for things that are going wrong with this company So they have to deal with getting launched into space and then there's a problem with the spaceship. The AI voice that tells them what's wrong with the ship is like unreliable and has been hacked into. All the adults are freaking out and there's like a flight commander who's telling the kids what to do and she's not very nice. And I'm starting to wonder, maybe she doesn't have their best interest as her best interest I don't know there's a lot of intrigue I watched a couple of episodes I definitely want to watch the whole thing the premise is awesome the acting is okay I feel like (laughs) Disney child actors are better than Nickelodeon child actors Ooh, that's throwing down the gauntlet um the special effects are really fun it seems to be really influenced by remember that space mission by SpaceX like last summer and the astronauts were really like snazzy. Honestly, suits? no, I should. Okay. But... <laughs> <laughs> so Ron Howard is a producer and you're pro- everybody knows Bryce Dallas Howard is his daughter, but I guess his other daughter, Paige Howard, she plays the AI voice. Oh, Matilda. I will be watching. This is like a show I would definitely watch alone voluntarily. And I think it's good for older kids 
maybe not good, but they would enjoy it. So is the style like kind of a handheld, this is the footage we're making on our journey, or is it more removed than that? It's more removed than that. It's, and I don't know if it's divided equally, but it's the kids are in, the kids in space, the kids communicating with the control room, and then drama happening on the ground too. I have another really important question about the premise. Yes. Do they accidentally get launched into space through some fault of their own? Like, does one of the kids accidentally press a button or is it like a mechanical malfunction? Oh, they were not supposed to be there at all. Like they stole their parents' high level passes to check out the spaceship like in the middle of the night. Yeah. All right. They're certainly, they're certainly at fault. (laughs) (laughs) I'm interested. So you, you haven't watched it with your kids. Would you say that um, they're in the right age group for it? Yeah, I would say this is like Mighty Ducks territory. Okay. Yeah, I think your kids would be a little too young for it just Mm -hmm. because it's a lot to keep track of. And it might be kind of scary to them. Uh, You think Jay might say, I don't think this is appropriate for me. (laughs) I think so. <laughs> well, speaking of shows for the slightly older set, I reviewed the Save by the Bell reboot, which also premiered in November of 2020. So sometimes these lightning round shows are a good way for us to clear out kind of the older stuff from our watch list. But I've been really excited to watch this since it first came out. It is unfortunately on Peacock, which is a streaming service with which I have very little experience. We talked about it briefly on the social medias last week. Mm-hmm. I don't pay for it, so I have to watch all the ads. How about you, Deborah? Do you pay for Peacock? No, I just downloaded it very recently. I kept talking about it, and Jeremy kept saying, "Well, we don't have a subscription to that," which I took to mean we can't pay, we can't pay for any more content. <laughs> I was really worried about the free version because I downloaded it when it first launched in order to watch the uh, 30 Rock COVID episode. Mm. And it was horrible for ads. It was like ads every two seconds. I couldn't even make it through this admittedly terrible 30 Rock reunion episode. Uh, Like I had to stop midway through. I was so frustrated. So I was a little nervous going into it, but I don't think the ad level was any higher than on our basic tier Hulu subscription. And we pay for that. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's something that they're trying to lure me in and then maybe they'll make it so I have to pay to get this somewhat less intrusive ad experience, but it wasn't overwhelming. I will probably now watch Girls 5 Eva because I've been putting it off because it was on Peacock. But now that I had to watch it for the show. (laughs) Yeah, I watched the pilot and it was good. All right. I'm excited. Okay, back to Saved by the Bell. Listeners, you might remember this show from your own childhood. It was like standard Saturday morning fodder for the tween set. The stories of Zach Morris and his super popular friends at Bayside High. And the new reboot is about Zach's son, Mac Morris, and his <laughs> popular to a questionable degree, maybe, friends at Bayside High. Um, there are some returning characters from the original series. So we see occasional cameo appearances by Zach and his now wife, Kelly. And in the regular cast are A.C. Slater and Jesse Spano. 
They played by the original actors? Yes, yes, they oh, are. Oh, wow, 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 wow. And you know what? I know that Mario Lopez has had like a career on, is it E that he's been working on? I have not seen much of him, but I know he's been working. He looks good. Good. Yeah. Good for him. Shorter than I remembered, but you know, I'm older. <laughs> <laughs> My point being that the original Saved by the Bell was squarely for tweens, and I feel like there was a built-in clock where the minute you became an actual teenager, Saved by the Bell started to feel impossibly hokey and awful. Because it was. It was like the goofy sort of idealized version of what high school teen life would be like if you were looking at it from the vantage point of like a sixth grader. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if kids have gotten more sophisticated or if this show is really for the adults. I have a sneaking suspicion it's a combination of the two because the storytelling is pretty rich. The characters are much better developed. There's some nuance introduced right off the bat with like a whole group of kids being brought over from an underprivileged school district that wasn't well funded. Mm. There's a lot of talk about privilege related to wealth and related to race. So right away within the first three episodes, which is all I watched, they're dealing with topics that they would pretty much never have touched on the original Saved by the Bell, or if they did touch them, they would have done it wrong. Like, I'm just always thinking of the episode where Zach Morris discovered that he had Native American ancestry, and it was, like, horrible and actually pretty racist. And this show is at least looking to deal with nuance with some of the trickier problems that kids deal with. I was super impressed. It wasn't entertaining only from a nostalgic standpoint. It was honestly well-written. It even reminded me a little bit, although it was not as good as Julie and the Phantoms, which you know I loved. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it had a similar feeling where you're watching it and you're getting invested and you're thinking, wow, this is honestly good content for kids. And I can see it being a wonderful bridge show for parents who want to watch something with their young adolescents and they need something that those kids will consider cool. Nice. That surprises me and I'm so happy to hear that. Is there a Screech character? There is not. I mean... They were so mean to Screech. They were. They were. Um, And honestly, they have not even mentioned Screech. Okay. There is like a dumb dumb character although he hasn't mentioned yet that he really likes to eat all the time so we don't have our (laughs) like resident person who loves food quite yet I don't know it just feels smart to a degree that we certainly never had growing up and I am glad to see and I would like to hear some reviews from actual kids because it could be that I'm enjoying it too much and that a kid would watch it and be like this is a dumb show for grown-ups I'll have to see if my kids will watch it with me. Lindy West had a essay in I don't remember which book about how maybe this is a New York Times opinion article. I don't know where I mean I it's my, you so it probably is a New York Times opinion article. Probably but it was about and she's like around our age range and her opinion was that when we were adolescents activism wasn't cool and she used Lisa and Saved by the Bell as a prime example like when Lisa starts to get 
concerned about like I don't know ocean plastic or something everybody like makes fun of her for it and it's not cool at all and it's cool to not care and it's cool to be apathetic and it's cool to do nothing (laughs) and that article just made me look at my at how television influenced me in a way different way than I ever had before so I like that Saved by the Bell is dealing with these issues in a like I don't know, contemporary issues in a sensitive and thoughtful way. Yeah, I forgot to mention a member of the regular cast is trans. Right off the bat, they're dealing with embedded sexism and having a girl on the football team. Like, they are knocking some things out really quick, and it it's really refreshing. That's so great. So there you go, Peacock. I guess you got me. <laughs> Well, thanks for sticking with us for another lightning round episode, guys. So we'll be back to normal for our next episode. We'll do uh, a review of a single topic. In the meantime, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice. You can also check out our website at myscreentime2.com. You can find us on all the socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, even Gmail at myscreentime2. Please send us your show or movie suggestions, article recommendations, or general comments about the show. Our theme music was composed and performed by Deborah and her adorable children, and our podcast is produced by me, Katie. Tune in next time for more real talk about the movies and TV beloved by kids and tolerated by parents. Bye! Bye!